0: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, gopowercat.com's Kansas State Athletics show. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, from the GPC Studios, here's your host, Go Powercat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald.
1: Welcome to the Powercat Questions podcast, sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. We hope you're having a great day. Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, Cole Carmody, and Ryan Gills Gilbert right here in the GPC Studios. As I mentioned, we're sponsored by the Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Now, I know the game is in Lawrence on Saturday, but don't break your routine. Come to Manhattan, get your liquor, and then go to KU and watch K-State kick the living crap out of Kansas. In fact, Kansas is so bad, I don't think they have living crap. I think it's all dead. It all gave
2: up. All gave up their hopes and dreams. I think this is what you should do. If you're going to the game in Lawrence and you're coming from the western part of the state, mm-hmm. come mm-hmm. Friday, stay in Manhattan, mm-hmm. experience mm-hmm. Aggieville, mm-hmm. wake up. You don't have to get there that early. I like it. And then just drive to Lawrence and go to the game. It's 11 you, a.m. game. Are you a
3: life coach? I might be. That's nice. I don't uh, think that's a great idea, Cole.
1: Yeah. You know, the thing about it is uh, Cole still thinks like a college student. Like I could go out Friday night and jump out of bed on Saturday morning and go to a game and yell my brains out. Somewhere around age 30, that starts to go downhill. But certainly by age 50, if you go out and have any kind of good time involving alcohol, that is a 24-hour recovery. Mm. It's sad. It's really bad. I got to figure out what I'm going to do next time I go to Vegas. I'm going to have to make daily runs. To that IV place? To the IV place. <laughs> Help me. I had two martinis last night. I'm going
3: to die. That's how, that's how I felt over the weekend. My goodness.
1: Yes, you, uh, you had the heck of a weekend. Did you start charging money for photos? With I should have. A, as Joe Exotic?
3: Yeah, I should have. Mm. I took way too many pictures for free with that's random strangers. That. Did you get any girls' phone numbers with your pictures? I did not, but... Joe Exotic would have gotten the (laughs) fellas' numbers. (laughs) There was one guy that gave me an offer that I refused, (laughs) politely declined that offer. Wow. Yeah. Joe Exotic would have accepted. I'll tell you that. Man,
1: you've almost got a trick and a treat. (laughs) (laughs) Our segment sponsors are Tanners in the High Low. Please support local businesses whenever you come to town. Back-to-back home games after K-State beats KU. On Saturday. I just assumed it. And you shouldn't do that. You know, someday. Like, for example, one day... Mr. T-Rex was just walking along thinking, it's a beautiful day for a walk out here in the wherever T-Rexes live. (laughs) Uh, Oh, what's that in the sky? It's a meteor. And then he was dead. That, you know, you just can't count on anything. The meteor could hit and KU could win. So I take it back. After uh, the game on Saturday, uh, two more home games here in Manhattan. And they're important games. So make sure you're coming to those games boy that was awkward it was weird i don't uh, by the way there's no scientific evidence that that's how t rex is talked i i just
4: made that up Sounds i don't like a construction worker in manhattan <laughs> yeah. what's his name cecil no that's uh, that's oklahoma oh Cephus. Cephas. yeah
1: uh, this this is the t rex and and Cephas is i can't even do him now i'm screwed up Let's move on. Hey, uh the questions from Wabash station I'm told are really really good. Uh including one we didn't actually put in the podcast uh from Ned. What was the question again? I forgot it. I forgot it too. I'd have to it's, go back and look. It's uh so, Oh, it's is Kansas State flying for their game in Lawrence, Missouri. Yes. Because you know, it is a suburb of Kansas City, Missouri or are they waiting until the new terminal's open? Yeah. Yeah. Um <laughs> You know, ironically, if you fly to Lawrence, Missouri, in that airport in North Kansas City, you are roughly the same distance from Lawrence at the airport as you would be from Manhattan. Roughly. Just I mean, ballparking it. Not quite, but ballparking it, yeah. You're so basically what I'm trying to say is Lawrence is not a suburb of
2: Kansas City. L- Lawrence is a suburb of Manhattan. Lawrence County is a suburb of Springfield. Like on the Simpsons? Lawrence County, Missouri. There is a Lawrence County, Missouri. Oh. You're ruining Kane's joke, Cole.
1: <laughs> so anyhow, ignoring Cole right here, um, basically it is an outer suburb of Manhattan, like beyond the other suburbs of Wamego and Topeka. And it's uh, it's where a lot of crime takes place over there in the Lawrence suburbs. A lot of, a lot of bad stuff. Apparently, drinking and driving just all rampant over there. Okay, well, we're going to move on to your question <laughs> from Wabash Station. Here is Ryan Gilbert
4: with the first half. Ryan Gills Gilbert. Gills uh, Gilbert from Jedediah. What's your guys' projected end-of-season football record as of now?
1: Well, they're going to get to six and three. I had them at eight and four. And that would require winning two out of three. The reason I had them at eight and four was I thought they'd beat Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State A is better than I thought, but they also played them without Skyler Thompson. So we will never know. Um, They're capable of winning two more after this game. But I would say, you know, I had them down splitting these two home games at the end of the year. And I, I think that'll happen. I think they'll win one and lose one. I don't know which. Heaven forbid they lose both. But
2: I'm guessing seven wins and a trip to to Memphis. Oh, damn it. I think that the Texas game is almost more winnable than the Baylor game, Fitz. And it I, might be. I think right now I'm, I'm looking at eight and four. Um, if you, But the, here's the thing. If you beat West Virginia, I'm not saying that they can't win the other two games, too. I mean, I still think that there's a a realistic possibility just because I was talking about this with Ryan on the way over here. The Texas team, if they lose another game or if they lose two games before K-State, they're done. They're done. They're done. So that game that looked like it might be challenging at the end of the season, that might wind up being the easiest game of the three remaining games.
4: Did we say this last year, though, when Texas lost a few games and came here to Manhattan and doubled up on K-State? They weren't done then. K State was done. Well, they were trying to save their coach.
1: I, th- it is interesting. It is very interesting to see the, how they'll handle it. And, Zach, does 6 and 6 Texas get an invite to the Cotton Bowl? <laughs> Just because the Cotton Bowl is going to go, hey, we may not have them
3: anymore. May not be available to us if we stay a Big 12 Bowl. Yeah, they could. Well, I mean, they're still not a Big 12 Bowl. Cotton Bowl's not. Sugar Bowl is. Oh, that's right. Well, oh, I guess I'm seeing the Alamo Bowl.
2: That's, oh, that's that's taking you the cotton bull place you now. Yeah. Do you think there's any way that K State
3: wins out? No.
2: I do think there's a way. There's I just a don't chance.
3: I don't, and I don't think it's minuscule. But I don't think it's what's more likely. Large. They lose out or they win out. Lose. Well, after KU. Yeah, after KU. Lose. I'd say lose. I
1: would say I would agree with that. But I don't think that'll either one will happen.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's also I, a chance I'll be bitten by a monkey today. And yeah. I don't <laughs> think that's going to happen either. I think seven and five is probably the
2: the right number. I just, I think I just, the I, expectation has to change a little bit. If you beat West Virginia, you, you need to win one of those other games. So I, I think eight and four, really do. Okay, I,
1: that's what I would. I predicted at the start of the season. Now let let me ask this: They go eight and four. Are there still going to be people upset about the program?
3: Probably.
4: There's always going to be those people.
2: <clears throat> uh, Bill Schneider would have
4: won thirteen games of this team
2: if you go 5 and 1 in the back half of your season, you need to be applauded for that. Especially with everything that the team has faced as far as Skylar Thompson being out in the beginning part of the season, getting to 8 wins when they were sitting at 3 and 3. I think a lot of people, you know, the the path was there, but they have to do it. And I think winning three games in a row, beating KU, well, you've shown you can win three games in a row. There's no reason to think you can't win another three games in a row against teams that, let's be honest, should be comparable. How many King Felix questions do we have?
1: Uh, one. one. I'll just say this: um, <clears throat> what two and a half? What Felix and Yudike Uzama did it. I did it. I'm so happy. Did on Saturday changes the team. And this is how I mean it. Offensively, everyone's had to account for Deuce Vaughn. Everything they do is around Deuce Vaughn. And the question became, do they have enough other weapons to offset that? And they're finally answering yes. Last year was an emphatic no. They just didn't have enough weapons. This year, Skylar Thompson being on the field, he's finding a way to get the ball moving, even if they want to zero in on Deuce as a running back. Well, now they have a defensive threat that everyone's got to account for. And if you're in third and mid or third and long – you got a problem, and you might be keeping receivers in, a tight end in, a running back in, someone to help the offensive tackle. And that changes how you scheme K-State's defense completely. It takes a guy out of the the pattern, and maybe then the zone actually covers everyone. It was one of the most encouraging things I've seen about K-State football in a long time, because when you have someone that disruptive, it changes everything. And he is that disruptive. It's going to be fascinating to watch how KU handles it. But Jason Bean gets out of the pocket. He moves well. He eludes tacklers. I think someone throughout the stat today at the press conference. They've given up two sacks in the last five games, which is pretty remarkable. Or it's a sign of teams that are just sitting back, knowing that you can't beat them. So they're not going to go on the attack and create an opportunity for Jason Bean to make a big play running, which is your biggest fear, really, with this KU offense. So Cole and Fitz, you guys said 8-4? and I'm going to go seven and five. I I want to be optimistic, but, um, yeah, I, I I don't know. I, it's Texas I can't figure out. I mean, Texas is so talented. I mean, Bijan
2: could just run through this defense, but now all of a sudden the defense is playing a lot better. I'm going to say my, answer, my official answer is eight and four with a better chance of nine and three than six and six. What about seven and five? I would still probably lean more towards them winning out than going seven and five, just because. Really? If they beat West Virginia, you think that's enough momentum? I do. I think I do. Baylor's has
3: more momentum than K State would have
2: at that point. Well, I point. just I think it depends on where Baylor is coming into the season because they they play Oklahoma before they play K State. They lose that game to K State, and K State is coming off of what four wins in a row? It would be at that point. I mean, there's going to be a lot of momentum and there's going to be some serious headway for K-State heading into that game. So, I mean, again, that's why I think that there's it's not out of the realm of possibility for K-State to go 9 and 3, but I think 8 and 4 is more likely. If they do go 9 and 3, it's a shame that K-State got the Big 12 start that
3: they did. Yeah. That schedule was brutal if they were able to go 6 and 3 after that. Well, Baylor
1: is going to benefit from Chris Kleiman's tour of assassinations. They play TCU next and they close with Tech. So, then they've got Oklahoma and K-State in between. So, they are set up to do something pretty remarkable if they can string all those wins together after beating Texas.
4: Well, Cole, you talked about momentum on the flip side of that. West Virginia's got Oklahoma State this weekend, and they've won two in a row now. So, if they win that game, that's three in a row, and they've, they've got momentum coming here yeah. to Manhattan. So, that's going to be a tough win for K-State.
2: Three wins against better opponents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I still think you have teams that s- super high confidence that, either way I think that's going to be a great game in two weeks I agree.
4: from wildcat pilot 88 maybe he's the one that's disguised as Ned and he's going to fly into KC this weekend I like it how much of the defense's improved play is due to boom Massey being healthy again
1: uh, you know um, he played a little bit on Saturday he did offer relief but no I just think I think that play at Lubbock just woke up a monster I just think he, he realized this. I mean, he said it after the game when we talked to him, that the coaches has been on him to <clears throat> assert his athletic ability, and he did it. And I think he found out, oh, <laughs> I, can't, I really can do this stuff. And then he found uh, a weakness, as he mentioned after the game, and in the in the TCU tackle stopped, would stop moving his feet after a little bit. And so after a couple fakes, he said, I would just go around him because he'd stop moving his feet. So that's not only a really athletic guy, that's a guy doing his homework.
2: I love Boom just as much as, you know, anybody on this team. I think him coming back has really helped Felix. It's helped Nate Matlack. I think it's it helped Cleek Duke. Like having somebody like Boom back around the program for another year has helped make Felix better, has helped make these other defensive ends better. But I wouldn't necessarily say that he on the field is making the defense better. I think having him back is huge, But I won't say that because he's back for one game, that makes the defense automatically better. Boom is a nice player. But he is not somebody that you need to depend on, or that you should need to depend on week in and week out. Because if he plays well, that should just be a plus. You shouldn't count on him week in and week out.
3: So that's my answer to that question. Mm-hmm. He's a nice rotational piece. Yes.
2: Yeah, he is. He,
1: and the benefit is he gives Felix a rest here and there. But – um. I want Felix on the field as much I'm as you, you can. I'm I'm with you. I I almost prefer not. Maybe you rest him on some first downs and run him out there, but I don't want to put this kid in a position to being a pass rush only guy. He needs to be an every down type of player and he's proving that he can be that.
4: With today's day and age, I think quarterback is the only position that can affect that side of the football that much. I don't I'm not going to put any stock into Boom Massey returning. I don't think it's done too much. Yeah. From K Ned. Why does the QB have to control the ball through the entire process of a sack for it to be a sack?
1: Doesn't doesn't. People aren't understanding the rule with football. um, All the stats need to add up. Okay. Um, If the quarterback is tackled, in his backfield at the 45, but fumbles the ball forward to the 50, and it's recovered there by either team. Those five yards have to be accounted for in the statistics. Five-yard rush. And in other words, if that, if the ball then moves to the line of scrimmage or it's zero rush, doesn't even have to reach the line of scrimmage. We saw this against Tech. This is going to get nerdy here. Against Tech, Nate Matlack had to tackle the quarterback. Like tackled him behind the line of scrimmage. Why not a sack? Because he got past The previous yard line. Okay, so if the ball's at the 50 and the tail of the ball's past the 49 but not at the 50, it is at the 50 statistically. It's very consistent on how they do it. And the only time you don't do that is if picking up that yard means a first down but it's not a first down, then you can't give them the yard. You have to account for the yardage from the fumble. I believe the NFL puts it down as miscellaneous yardage and counts the sack. But in the way the NCAA scores things, that ball still belongs to the quarterback until it's recovered. So he did get a tackle, but the ball forwarded itself to the point where it was zero gain or, or a positive yardage on the play. The one essential of a sack is it has to be for a loss. It has to be for a loss and on a passing situation. But setting that aside, if the stats go down as a, yard, as a rush for zero yards... It's not a sack. It cannot be a sack. He got back to the line of
2: scrimmage by statistic continuity throughout the game. So I, I, I understand that. And I think something that a lot of people have been wondering, and, and I, I personally don't necessarily know the answer to this, Fitz. You might. Guys, you might too. But if that sack, if he sacks him, if he tackles the quarterback in a passing situation situation situation, in a passing situation, and the ball stays behind the line of scrimmage, in case state recovers. Is it a sack, a sack with a fumble? Yeah. Mm-hmm. A sack, mm-hmm. yeah. so the loss had, yardage, yes. So if he would have – the ball would have came out and it wouldn't have gone past the line of scrimmage, he would have had the sacks. Right. Correct. Mm-hmm. It's essentially – it's the same idea
1: of you sack the quarterback, but his arm was going forward and they ruled an incomplete pass. The ball rules the day. It was an incomplete pass even though you got him. So It's a stupid rule. It needs to have – a statistical adjustment because you shouldn't be punished as people have been saying for doing a job too well. But in you know, let's look at it this way: if King Felix comes around the corner, knocks the ball from Jason Bean, and Devin Neal picks it up and runs for a touchdown, is it a sack or a touchdown? Well, you can't advance a fumble. You can't. They wouldn't have been able to advance it. You can't advance it on fourth down. Yeah, but you can advance it. I don't think you can.
2: If a ball goes forward well, from I didn't a say fumble. I went forward. I didn't say it went forward. He fumbled it. So if he sacks the quarterback. Right. And the ball goes forward. Well, that's different. If he just fumbles it back, And the ball goes behind him. I see right. what you're saying. If a running back
1: picks it up and runs for a touchdown, is it a sack or a touchdown? It's a touchdown. It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. If if the ball moves forward and someone recovers it for zero yardage or a gain, it's zero yardage or a gain. Thus, it cannot be a sack. And honestly, I didn't notice this during the course of the game, and I haven't gone back to look at the stats. I don't really fully understand it. I think I would argue that if the ball is recovered by the other team by the defense, that yardage should be accounted for in miscellaneous yardage, and it should go down as a sack. if it's recovered by the offense, I can understand the rule because you maintained the ball, you didn't lose yardage. How can it be a sack? It can't be a sack. Mm-hmm. There's just real I honestly K State miss scored it. They they didn't do it right, but I didn't observe
2: I didn't catch it at the time. I didn't mentally note it. I thought it was a little odd that the ball went forward and they still called it a sack. Man. It was a little odd, but it didn't really you know. When when I was on the field twice.
3: and they threw up the, the six on the jumbotron, I was like, When? It, like it did it never felt like he truly had six sacks. Like it still felt like he had four. Mm-hmm. So when I, – I didn't remember ever seeing the fifth or sixth. And when I go back and watch my highlights and made the video, I was like, yeah,
2: there's four sacks here. Here you go. But I will say this. I mean, as far as a dominant day goes, you ask a coach, they'll take four sacks and two forced fumbles over six sacks. Oh, for day. sure. I mean – We're just talking about records right now. I get that. And I, I get that. But I think looking at forced fumbles, when you go back and look at a, on a season season statistics, if you have – you know, however many sacks he's going to finish with, say 12 or 13 and four or five forced fumbles, I mean, that's really freaking good. So I, I think that, you know, as as much as it sucks for him and as much as it sucks that the ruling is what it is, the fact that he was able to get those forced fumbles, I think he will take any day what, of the week.
1: Okay. So I'm looking at the stats here and I, I don't know what the other three were, but those three in a row. The last two offensive plays with D.C. in the second quarter and the first one in the third quarter were all sacks. Correct. That, that's incredible. It was amazing. Three straight plays with sacks is incredible. And then he had another sack and two forced fumbles. That's a great day at the office. What I love about how this has gone down is this guy just had this epic four-sack game. He tied his school record. He literally did something that no other Kansas State football player has ever done in the history program on their home field. Because Chris Johnson did it at Missouri. And I remember that game. It was incredible. And he's achieved this, and yet he's pissed off. Yeah, It's like the best-case scenario. He is really angry, and he's ready to get after it. I, it's, it's an incredible set of circumstances. It's really bad it worked out this way, but I'm just going to say it. You don't have to understand the rules, but they got it right. It's four sacks. And it sucks
2: that it scored that way, but... It scored that way. He's going to have plenty of opportunities on Saturday to do exactly what he did against TCU, and he might not get four sacks, but it would not surprise me if he had a multiple sack day, because he is hungry, and KU will throw the ball. I know they... We read, we talked about the stat of them only, only allowing two sacks in the last five games, what have you. Well, they haven't faced a pass rusher like Felix, so it, it, he's going to pin his years back, and he's going to go get the quarterback, because he is pissed off.
1: Well, and... Yeah, they haven't been sacked much, but how many interceptions is Jason being thrown? And is that because he's trying to get rid of the ball too quickly? So it, it does create chaos for the opposing offense.
4: Fitz, do you know if each and every game is audited or reviewed or whatever with the stats? Or I would imagine well, not. Because there's a record? Because there's a
3: record. What Lackey said today was when they tried submitting the snap, the the stats, it wouldn't let them submit it. Like there was an error okay. in the in the okay. process. So it ne- they needed to go back and correct something, and I think that's what it was. They couldn't submit that's very it interesting. as, it wa- as okay. what it was. And,
1: and that's – I hadn't thought of that. The NCAA now has a common stat system across. So it probably is more intelligent than just putting in information and it caught that these were not sacks. Uh, this were negative
4: – or these were zero or positive yardage gains. It can't be a sack. From Wildcat Pilot 88 more impressive individual performance. Felix, this past weekend or Jamie Mendez, four interception game?
3: Uh, It's still got to be four interceptions. That's harder than sacks. You can sack a, a quarterback throwing the ball every time. Being in the right place at the right time four different times.
1: Well, and I think the fact that Jamie is tied for the NCAA record says something. And yeah. it still holds up. Who is it against? Temple. And he dropped a fifth one right in his hands. Mm. When I did my Life of Fits podcast with him, he says it still haunts him. Pitt, <laughs> the ball hit him right in the hands. That he dropped incredible. a fifth interception. He was just everywhere. And you know, he was a safety. So he was playing center field and he kept throwing the ball up and throwing it deep and picking it off. It was it was amazing. It was incredible to watch. Um I I think what impresses me about this was this was a conference game. Mm-hmm. You know? This was a this wasn't temple which wasn't good that year. Uh, They've had good moments, but they
2: haven't. And the level of talent too. I mean, you know, you mentioned temple again, this is, this is the the level of athletes. I should say the level of athletes. Jamie played in the late nineties. Correct. Fitz. Yeah. Uh, Early 90s. Early 90s. So, yeah, I mean, the level of athletes in the early 90s, and that's nothing against those guys because for their time, they were the greatest athletes, you know, in their age range. But you look at the, the the level of athletes then compared to the level of athletes now and just how much deeper there is with, you know, now everybody's lifting weights. Now everybody is doing the same training routine. I mean, to me, it is extremely hard to be as consistent as Felix was on Saturday. Jamie Mendez was obviously a smart football player. But he was a great athlete as well, but he was a smart football player. Not saying that Felix isn't a smart football player, but to consistently go at the position that he was at. I mean, there's a reason why you don't see guys get six, seven sack games. Not saying that. I have no idea who was playing quarterback at Temple at the time, but I can I can tell you he probably wasn't as good as the tackle for TCU. And that's not a knock on anybody because four interceptions is incredible. Mm -hmm. But the level of athletes, I think, makes Felix's performance just as good, I will say, as that. And I didn't see that, obviously, the performance. I was not alive at the time. But that is a game that I will remember forever. How dare you be alive?
4: How dare you be unborn? Zach, were you alive? alive? What year was it? Can I just pick Felix because I wasn't alive for Jamie? Yeah, that's good. Is that fair? That's
3: fair enough. Is that ninety? Eight? What, Jamie? Yeah. No. 91, no. maybe? Oh, earlier than
1: yeah, 92. He was, oh, it was junior. He was season. part of the foundation. Oh, that's right. Yes, 1992, senior season. I don't, I was almost I alive. it was his junior season. No, that is his junior season. Aha. So he redshirted in 89 when he was part Wh- of the. What day was the game? It was on Saturday. Was it like, what was the weather? <laughs> it was a
4: lovely day for intercepting passes.
1: There <laughs> we go. Okay, let's move
4: on. <laughs> Last question of the first half comes from I like pickles cat. Pickles, KU has now won fewer conference games, forty-one, than any team past or present, including TCU and West Virginia. How long will it take the new four to pass KU as well? That's an incredible. Start. Are we going to set an over under on how many years? That's that's
1: incredible. So the schools that came in, what, um, fifteen years. 15-plus years after the start of the league have won more games in Kansas.
2: <laughs>
3: oh, <God. Yeah. clears throat>
2: That is just sad. It's sad.
3: It took less than 10 seasons. And, and I'm just going to say this.
1: If in this whole life of realignment and television contracts and media deals, why does the Big 12 let Kansas leech on – Because at least two thirds of the TV is football related. At least two thirds. I know they bring a lot to the table in basketball, but I—you would never take this school if it was an expansion
3: candidate. And they oh, think they're going to the Big sh- Ten. Don't don't, yeah, that. don't tell KU fans. Don't tell <laughs> the whoever that reporter was. Oh, what a joke! It's imminent. It's imminent. It's imminent. <laughs> um,
1: I. It's disgusting. Okay, here's my rant. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it, Zach. I'm going all in right here. I'm not one to give advice to the University of Kansas. I, they can suck all they want for all I care. But if this rumor that they really have an alumni that wants to give them a half a billion dollars, I can't wrap my mind around it, to tear down Memorial Stadium and start anew, find a damn way to do it. I don't understand. You can't salvage a football program by half-assing all of your facilities. New paint and some Barco loungers in the end zone don't make you a legitimate program. You need a nice stadium that people want to visit. <clears throat> And all you got to do is go to Waco or Fort Worth and see exactly what you need to do or drive up to that other suburb of Kansas City, Kansas City, Kansas, where you can see a soccer stadium that, if you build it twice as big, would be perfect for you. And in fact, that soccer stadium would be a lovely place to play a season of football while you're building a new stadium. You can have a couple games in Arrowhead if you want, and then play the rest right there in a fellow suburb of Kansas City's airport. It's, it's right there. You've got a great opportunity. You have a facility that you can easily access if you want to use it. Now, maybe you can't tear down Memorial Stadium because it's designation as a historical property or whatever, but leave some walls up if you have to and build around it. They managed this at Soldier Field. Soldier Field, it, which ironically which, they're getting rid of. Yeah, because they did a horrible job. with yeah. their, I mean, you don't build a spaceship around your old stadium, which is what they did in Chicago. You build something nice, usable with people. Listen to me right now. Mostly sweets, because your crowd doesn't want to sit outdoors. Just admit what you are. You, you don't, you, most of your donors don't want to be sitting outdoors, build a ton of suites, have a great student section. Go look at the bounce house for God's sakes. They're going to have a 40,000 seat stadium nicer than yours when they join the conference. And it's not even that nice. It's just because the students are incredible and they've got 10 million students, fix your facilities. You're never going to win consistently in football. Your facilities stink. It sets a tone for your entire program. That's it for the first half of the Powercat Questions podcast. They won't do it. That's the beauty of it. They won't do it. They'll just keep going through and putting Band-Aids on, and maybe someday they'll build a deck. Remember when they wanted to build 65,000 seats? Go ahead. That'd be brilliant.
0: Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the PowerCat Podcast. Now, let's return to the GPC Studios.
1: Welcome back to the PowerCat Questions Podcast. I'm still fired up. I'm still, I'm still wanting to rant on KU football a little bit. What an embarrassment to the conference! What an embarrassment they are! We are who they thought they were.
3: No. Let them, off, let the them off the hook. I hope we're not saying that next week. Oh gosh! If you want to crown them, then crown them. Man, you just rang the bell here! Wow.
1: <laughs> we're sponsored by the fridge. Our segment sponsors are Tanners and the High Low. Make sure you stop in every time you're in Manhattan. Man, the fridge is—it's uh, a special
2: place. I love it. Zach, I get emotional. When I think about the fridge. <laughs> I used to rent movies from there. Now I'm getting alcohol. It's Do you like, need an emotional mo- support animal that may or may not be a monkey? Yeah, I know. Um,
3: <laughs> uh, no, I'm going to pass on the emotional support monkey. Gil's that tweet about the monkey that you dug up from two years ago is pretty good.
4: I was really hoping that would get more likes, but yeah. it didn't.
3: Oh, well. I didn't even see it. About the monkey? No, he said no. Well, he asked a question two years ago just in one simple tweet. Why isn't it more acceptable to own a monkey? Why isn't it normal oh, yeah. to have a pet monkey? Well, then, then we he found out. And well, I he have it. My now answer, we know. Yeah.
1: <laughs> your, would your pet monkey bite small children? No. I would train him or her or it. In case it didn't identify as either of them. <laughs> I see. I, it's very interesting. It's very interesting you're accepting. Let's move on to questions. Zach. Zach has it's the me.
3: questions, because we're gonna do some basketball in here, I think. Are we gonna do we're gonna do, do, we're some, gonna basketball. do some basketball? Oh, okay. From Link one eighty two. I, I just realized that almost sounds like Blink one eighty two. I like it a lot. But it's their first post. I so like it. Welcome to the site. Welcome to the podcast. I wish I could drop in music right here. I, I wish you could, too. I wish wow. we had the license. Um, leading, who will be the leading score for K-State at the end of this season? Gills, bring it on. Luke Kazuki.
1: Mm-hmm. Luke Kazuki.
4: Wow, you stole my answer, Cole. Did you guys hear Bruce Weber? Cole, He's you the most improved player. And he went out of his way to say that. Nobody asked him about Kazuki. I love that. Once he, everyone was done, he had, yeah, real quick. I he even said, "I I
1: see, I see you guys tweeting that he can't make a shot, or whatever." Bruce said it was so
4: <laughs> funny. I was like you're reading our tweets about your players. Interesting. Well, it's a good thing I've never said anything bad about Kazuki, <laughs> but I would have to go. It's a tie between Masood and Pack. I'm going to have to go Masood because of the attention that I think coaches and defenses are going to put to guard Nigel Pack and stop him you know you're going to take your chances with a guy like Ish over Pack so I would go Ishmael Massoud and that's kind of the answer to the next question Zach we'll get to that in a minute but
2: Massoud would be my answer I feel like if Ishmael Massoud is the leading scorer, something has gone terribly wrong or
4: you're him. just not well informed enough to know that he's going to be hmm. a very impactful transfer well, it's hard to see there's so much shade in here yeah I'll go Nigel Pack I, I feel that's like that's the safe too. option. It's very safe, yeah.
1: I'm going to go Mark Smith hmm. or Mike, as some people like to call him. <laughs> Mark Smith. Who called him Mike? We're not going to talk about it on this podcast.
4: <laughs> no, well, yesterday,
3: Zach, what's <sighs> to tell him about that? Well, he someone else called somebody else Mike. <laughs> who who? Uh, Gil's Gilbert. Gil's called Nigel Mike yesterday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. I'm like, what? I played it cool. I just walked away. (laughs) He just walked
4: off. And I was like, I heard that.
3: (laughs) I don't know if Nigel heard it. Sorry, Nigel.
4: Sorry, Nigel. I know you, you guys all listen to this podcast apparently. So, Nigel, we're so sorry. I think Mark
1: Smith will just be steady Eddie for this team. And he'll be right in that 12 points a game range. Never get over... May I get over twenty once in a while, but he's not gonna have a big blow up and he's not gonna be held scoreless. He's just gonna be right there in the middle. A typical Bruce Weber leading scorer at twelve point three points a game. I'm going with Mark
2: Smith. Sounds like Xavier Schneid. Yeah, exactly.
4: If I had to pick one one player that underperformed, it'd be Mark Smith in the scrimmages and practices that we were able to see. And going back to his days at Mizzou and Illinois, he's had some confidence issues you know he got away from that and there's a, there's a fresh start for him a great opportunity but when he starts missing shots it's bad and i don't as his freshman or sophomore season i believe was his his best as far mm-hmm. as three point shooting that's not normal it should be getting better not worse so i you know i don't want to i know we have a small sample size with three practices but i haven't been overly impressed with him i'm going to be cautious i'm not going to bet any money that that he's going to be a leading scorer or even one of those leaders for K-State. I'm not saying he's going to be a a bust or a miss for Weber, but I'm just not buying in yet. I think there's some skepticism with him.
1: Well, I'll say this. When I spoke to him, I don't think he responded to the more aggressive coaching he got at Illinois and Missouri. I think Bruce's style is going to be really good for him. I mean, some guys just don't respond to it. And if he's got a fragile self-confidence, Bruce will never dent that. He doesn't, you know, he'll, he'll get on you, but in a, in a Bruce way. So I think they really helped themselves with the transfer portal. I think they did exactly what football did. They went out and found guys that fit their program as players and members in the locker room, as part of the locker room environment. There's something, there's a sense about this team of unity that I haven't seen in a very long time. I don't even know if we can say it about the two Big 12 teams. This whole group seems Big 12 championship teams. Um this group seems completely bought in to each other. And they know what each guy that came and joined the program, what the purpose of that was. So Nigel Pack isn't over there going, they went and got another point guard. They must not believe me. That's not going on here. They they truly believe in why Coach Weber brought these guys in to help them. And they, they needed some more veterans on this team. There's no doubt about it. I just think it's interesting that last year, Every time we had a media opportunity, you pretty much by default spoke to Mike McGurl. And I thought yesterday, I did leave a little bit early because I had some other stuff to do, but he was not busy. Mike McGurl was not overwhelmed by media yesterday. There were so many other guys in the room to whom to speak. Mike kind of sat over there. It must have been weird for him after the year he went through when he was the complete focal point. He had to answer all the questions. But I think it also shows that we all recognize there's more tools on this team. Now, will those tools be good enough to win anything? Maybe more games get to the NCAA tournament? I don't know. I don't think so. I think the league's really good again. But it's going to be a better brand of basketball. They're not going to be embarrassing to watch. I, I think this group is bought in. They're going to defend at a high level. And, and uh be able to score more casually than the other past few seasons we've seen.
3: Next question is from Contracat. Who is the biggest impact
1: newcomer? Yeah, I'm with you. Mm-hmm.
3: Masood-ish, as I like to call him, has got to be it. He gives them the
1: stretch forward that they lacked since Dean Wade departed. I mean, the way Bruce Weber wants to play that stretch forward it's really important, and they didn't have that. They ended up going pretty much to four guards at times last year. Once in a while, they put another big man out there, but it didn't work.
4: Well, Antonio Gordon's supposed to be the guy, and he clearly wasn't that guy.
1: Yeah, I mean, he he didn't really stretch the defense.
2: He You know, he, he went outside to shoot, but he devolved as a shooter, too. So even though you think Mark Smith will lead the team in scoring, you think Ish will be the well, biggest if, impact newcomer?
1: If you Yes, if you've got a guy that is – Um, making you defend out to 22 feet, it makes it a lot easier for a guy like Mark Smith to put the ball on the floor. Although the difference between him and uh, DeJuan Gordon is Gordon was more a dribble penetrator who wanted to shoot. And Mark Smith typically has been more of an outside shooter who wants to dribble penetrate. It's not his big thing, but you get that stretch for it, loosens up a defense it changes again. We talked about in football. It changes the way you have to defend then. You can't just pack it down the lane and take away the drive opportunities, which really hurts K-State.
2: I really like Marquise Noel. And I I, I probably agree with you guys that Ishmasud will be the biggest impact newcomer. But everything I've seen from Marquise Noel and the, the little we've seen you know, in preseason is tremendous. I mean, he, he has the best motor on the team. I I don't. I think there's no debate about that. He's going to be a pain in the butt for opponents. He he is. He's going to be somebody that teams aren't expecting, because I really think he can. He will be able to handle the point, and you. We will see Marquise Noel and Nigel Pack on the court at the same time. And I think if he can progress, like. I think he can progress. He could be a starter. He could be a starter as the season winds down. And I don't think that's a bad thing if he's your starting point guard because he is a playmaker. He's an athlete. That's something that this team has lacked is playmakers. He might be short, but he is a playmaker.
1: I find it interesting that it's entirely possible the starting lineup. Now, I don't think Bruce will leave Mike McGirl out of the starting lineup, even though I think that's advised. I think Mm -hmm. Mike McGirl's role is better coming off the bench. But I can see them starting the three transfers with Bradford and Pack. I mean, it makes a lineup. Uh, and I think that's probably the direction they might want to go. And then you've got Selton and Mike McGirl coming off the bench. And right there, you understand how much better your team got
4: because both of those guys were in the starting lineup last year. So there's just more bodies. I know everybody Everybody talks about Marquise's size. But let's be real here. He is really small. And that I, I don't know how that's going to translate into the Big 12. I agree he can be a pest on defense and I think he's going to remind a lot of fans of Angel Rodriguez just getting loose balls, you know, nice assists, getting some layups in there, but I think his his height might hinder him a little bit. I don't want to be that, you know, pessimistic about him, but I don't think he'll he'll start much this season. I don't personally think that's going to happen. But it sounds like he's a guy that can shoot it deep. Very
1: deep, oh, yeah. Which is good. And yeah. they they've had to have that. And and let's be clear, it's not about shooting it deep. It's about making it deep. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And if they're not
4: making them, Weber needs to put the red light on those. Yep, I agree. Which he didn't do with Gordon last year. From Link 182, does K-State make the NCAA
3: tournament? No. Yep. I think they'll be
1: uh, flirting with the bubble but end up in the NIT. I think first four is their upside. They're very upside is the first four.
2: Can I answer this question after Thursday?
1: Authors, it doesn't mean anything.
2: I just want to see – I just want to see – I want to see a game. I want to see a game. I don't care if it's a practice, a scrimmage. I've seen – they didn't play a real scrimmage. I want to see some kind of game where they keep score. I want to see that because it will – it's not going to determine if I think that they're going to make the tournament or not, but I will have a better answer to this question. Right now, my gut is telling me no, but I think if you were to put them on – and say, projection, Cole, give me your field, they are like the one of the first four teams out. Davion Bradford's not playing
1: Thursday, right? He's injured. And Pac's been nicked up a little bit.
2: But this is why I want to see, because I think if the newcomers perform well, that maybe shifts my answer more towards yes. If those guys can come in and truly make an impact and be the guys that everybody wants them to be, then I'm going to say yes. But if they're just your average run-of-the-mill players that are maybe an improvement over what you had last year maybe then i then i say no but if they make a serious impact then i will say yes
4: case bruce weber's teams at k-state get better obviously look at last year look at the both of the the big 12 tournament the big 12 championship runs pardon me you know they lost a couple games in 2012 i think michigan they beat they beat florida but they lost to michigan and gonzaga and then Back in eighteen nineteen, did they lose to Tulsa in an ugly game in Wichita? Am I correct on that? So yeah. they've lost some games and they've gotten better. So if you can win those games, I'm with you, Cole. If you win these games now in the non con without Pac, without Bradford, when they're not 100% healthy, and then you can really improve and, and springboard that into conference play, I'm with you.
3: Next question's from Purple, my Nurple. <laughs> so dirty. Bruce Weber is the cleanest and classiest coach in Power 5 basketball, which, in my opinion, is why John Curry hired him. I realize with COVID and other extenuating factors, we probably didn't have the budget to move on after last season. Is this season his opportunity to calm the waters and retire gracefully at the end of the season, or do you see K-State sticking with Bruce Weber no matter what?
1: Okay, so here's the problem, and this is the Bill Snyder paradox. You're not going to retire when your team's bad because you don't want to go out that way, but you're not going to retire with a good team because you want to coach the good team. So you finally get to the end, and someone has to make the decision for you. So this really isn't a Bruce Weber decision This is a or topic. This is a Gene Taylor topic. If they match or are in the same ballpark of what they've done the last two seasons in wins and losses, maybe they're more competitive. There's ways to measure progress. They win a few more games, but only get into the NIT. Oh, it's postseason. They made it back to the postseason. If we end up on the sliding scale instead of using the scale of our what should be established expectations for the program, that once in a while you'll forgive of falling short of getting to the tournament or at least being in the conversation for the tournament. I mean, if you start just backing up your expectations, I'm just going to say it. We're getting real close to – just flat out saying, wow, we're, we're competing for postseason play. It might be the CBIED, whatever that damn thing is. There's multiple. But once you start saying postseason is all that matters, welcome back to the Tom Asbury, Jim Woldridge time period, and you have unwrung all of the good things that came from Bob Huggins and Frank Martin and the early Bruce Weber. And you end up now just saying, it's okay to be bad. Just don't be, just be in consideration for postseason. You can't let all of your athletic programs slowly dwindle away. And we're kind of seeing it. Maybe football is picking it back up here. But if they don't get to the tournament, they need to make a coaching change. Someone needs to put their foot down and lead.
3: There's only so much bleeding you can do with season tickets, fan attendance. At some point, something's got to give. And if you're just barely making the tournament and making the first four, do you you really think the first four is going to move the needle on attendance? I don't know. No? I don't want
1: to be LSU where you fire a coach
3: two years after winning a national title
1: because he wasn't meeting expectations. But in Manhattan, Kansas, apparently winning a conference title, you get
2: four bonus years. So you know how I like my analogies. Here we go. This is like – compare it to a car, a clean, new, washed car. The expectation when you have a clean, newly washed car is that you keep it that way. Oh,
1: shit. It is? I, I, I that. believe that's <laughs> what it is. I know that. I thought, I thought you just got it all dirty again. So, Sorry, My bad.
2: When you start to get trash in your car, the expectation is you take it out. It's my car. I do what I want with it. You take out the trash that's That's the expectation, but if you just let it continually build up and build up, it gets harder to take the trash out of the car. but the expectation is well it's still kind of clean it's not it's not completely dirty it's still kind of clean so when you take out half of the trash it's better than what it was, but it's still not to the expectation. The expectation is a clean car it's to make the NCAA tournament right now you got a whole bunch of crap in the back seat. Take out the crap and make the car clean. Jack, so what Cole's what, analogy is,
3: is that Fitz, your dirty car, is the reason why Bruce Weber is still the coach at
4: K-State. Well, what crap is oh, no. in the in the program right now? There's Three no li- crap. There's no bad in the locker room. Two straight terrible seasons. That's in the past. Right now, there is no crap in, in the locker room. But what if car. it happens again? That's the thing. Yeah. Well, then Bruce Weber can just kick him out and save his job. I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but he's always – How many he times do you get to do that? Yeah, it's, He's always giving himself just enough to keep his job. That's exactly
1: if it. K-State, People ask me, what's K-State going to do this season? I don't know, but I am confident Bruce Weber is going to do exactly the amount that puts Gene Taylor in the most confliction with what he should do with – the basketball program. If that's getting to the bubble, he'll be on the bubble. If that's getting into the tournament as the first four, he'll get into the first four, whatever the standard is that Gene Taylor will have to really be challenged about a decision. Bruce Weber, isn't going to give him anything definitive, like getting through the round of 64 for the second time in his time at K state for the second time, or Uh, Just, you know, having a horrible season and falling short and making it obvious you need to be removed. He's not going to do either one of those things. He's going to be right there, right in the middle where
2: poor Gene Taylor is going to be like, oh, crap. What do I do with this? So, in other words, he's going to take his car. He's going to get it washed and he's going to vacuum his floors. But he's going to leave all the fast food wrappers on the seats in the back seat. Now I'm feeling targeted. Now, don't. That was at you, Fitz. I
3: think that was that was. I cleaned that that car before
1: Lubbock. I vacuumed
3: your floor. Thank you so much. Was the cup holder still sticky? Yes, probably. Okay.
4: K-State's going to win 17 or 18 games, have enough to keep his job secure, and convince Gene Taylor that you've got Nigel Pack, Davion Bradford, these guys that have a lot of potential, potentially three years left of eligibility after Mm -hmm. this one. He's going to have his job. I don't see any way, unless what happens last year happens again, Bruce Weber's going to be fine. If there was a time to fire him, it would have been a few years ago. That's how I, how I see it. Well, Is that right or wrong? I don't know. Well, I would agree with you. There was a time to fire him, and mm-hmm. they didn't do it. They didn't do it. And
1: now
3: you're into the spiral of expectations going down and down. Final question of the podcast from KNED, mm. as my screen goes off. Does the term pole assassin refer to a Texas coach's girlfriend or late-night-in-the-fog entertainment criteria?
4: Oh, or my. Fits his good. nickname when he heads out to Vegas.
1: Uh, first of all... <laughs> um i'm a traditionalist. I think <laughs> if you're going to leave your wife and kids for a i 'm going to say exotic dancer i 'm not going to demean the profession the way others have It's so much more than just removing your clothes let me try to get through this um you should do it in a dignified way, named after an automobile. Jaguar. Mercedes. Ford. Ford.
2: Not Pole Assassin. Chevy. What, what is Pole Assassin? What is this name? Can we describe what the situation is for the people who are unaware? Okay. You are living under a rock if you're not aware. Just a heads up. Okay.
3: Um, or you're so, paying attention to the Chiefs game honestly, uh, yeah, while it was going down. <laughs>
4: Sark at Texas hired
1: a special teams coach who left his wife and the kids for a somewhat famous gentleman's club performer who had been on the Jerry Springer show, who also is known to perform with her pet monkey who goes around and takes the tips. It is a level of uh, entertainment I have never seen before. I don't understand. I don't. I've never been somewhere where someone working at the club, maybe a DJ, brought their pet. I'm just saying. I just think it's weird. Anyhow, as you might know, Halloween was the other night, and they had a big party at Coach Pole Assassin's house. I think he had to take her name. I'm not sure. But uh, the monkey, when a trick-or-treater came, the monkey not only bit a small child, latched onto the small child, and they had to forcibly— open the monkey's mouth to
4: get it to let go. The child is hurt. (sighs) Which is why it's not normal to have a pet monkey. But you
1: wanted to normalize it at one point in your life. I did. Are you understanding now that the ideas we have as younger individuals don't always age well? Mm -hmm. Right. So don't get a pet monkey. And whatever you do, don't leave your family for the woman you met That was assassinating a pole. That's a great way of putting it.
3: You got nothing, do you? I have no words for this situation. I saw the tweet. It sounded like a Mad Lib.
4: It It literally literally read read like like a Mad Lib. Cole, do you think there's a lot of trash in her dump truck?
1: (laughs) I don't even know what that means. (laughs) Dude, dude, you just turned that metaphor analogy
2: around on you, didn't you? Huh? Huh? You feel good about yourself now, Cole? Yes. I think that if you are with Mrs. Pole Assassin. is Ms. Pole? They're Assassin. married?
1: I think they're married, aren't they?
2: She,
3: is it Mrs.? Mm-hmm. I don't know.
2: Go ahead. She's the breadwinner in that relationship. Uh, probably. Pro- probably.
1: But is she, I, I was unclear. Is she still working or is she just now a monkey parent and she just hangs out at home because her
2: coach, husband, brings in a lot of money? Well, let's, let's also clear this up. This was not a pet. This was an emotional support animal. Oh, it was? This was an emotional support animal, which makes it even worse, really, um, which also begs the question— Why not just have a nice dog? Which gets to my argument that all dogs are
1: emotional support animals. They don't need training. They just do it. They just do it. And yes, once in a while, they'll bite a kid. But your dog mom doesn't need to be an exotic dancer to do so. Joe Exotic? Hmm. We've come full full circle. circle. That's it. We're done. k great questions. We started and ended with you today. <sighs> Pole assassin. Welcome to this. Never mind. We're out of here. We'll talk to you later this week with the pregame podcast. And uh, if you don't listen to the Powercat pregame podcast, it's, it's usually a good hour of intellectual conversation uh, between myself and Brian Wallace and Brian Hanley and Ryan Gilbert as we preview the game. This week, it'll just be giggling for one hour.
0: Thank you for listening to the PowerCat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. PowerCat Podcast, all rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com